I have a, an interesting story before we get involved. Um, so this week I had a privilege and I, I got to, to do a little Bible study with a gentleman that I know from in town and we went to a Starbucks and we just hung out at the Starbucks. This has been going on for weeks. We'll meet and over a, a latte or whatever, we'll talk about the Lord and, and, and see what may happen um, on Thursday of this week, we went and did the same thing. Um, so we got there and we started talking about what the Lord has and we were opening up Scripture and reading through the Scripture. And all of a sudden we had um, an incredible about 10-minute spurt. And this uh, young woman was on the other side of the, uh, of the coffee house and I was looking at my friend and then I kind of got, attra- got distracted by the person back there and I looked back and I kind of looked up to the person and he was like, are we okay? And I was like, I don't know. This person went absolutely berserk. This woman started screaming obscenities and throwing things and knocking stuff off of people's tables. And so the entire, everyone, <laughs> kind of like everybody's doing, they went. All conversation ceased. You know, if it would have been a TV show, the record would have scratched. You know, everything stopped. She's going off and you're like, okay, well, okay, we'll wait and let her finish. Then we're going to get back to the Word of God. Well, she keeps going on and it, the level went from Absolutely crazy, and it went up from there. So she's, they're calling the police. Multiple people are on their phones now calling the police because this person is so out of hand. So I'm sitting across from my friend. I was like, hey, let's grab our Bibles and let's go sit outside. Right? So we just let her uh, do her thing. Five, six minutes of just constant cussing and vileness, right? She leaves the store, cusses everybody out outside, comes back in the store, cusses everybody out inside. And she ended up being... Sorry for all the camera people. So I'm sitting here, and she ends up deciding to do part of her whole shtick. Like, right, this is me. I'm sitting down, and she's going berserk. Do I, <laughs> I want to close my Bible. Let's see what I want to do with my Bible at this point. You know? And uh, so we just went on outside, and we got outside. So that would have been, that's kind of an interesting story, right? If that would have been the only thing that would have happened, it would have been, hey, I'm going to come home and tell my wife. Um, so we go outside. And we're sitting maybe two tables down from somebody. And the people over here are just as vile as the woman in there. They're not angry, apparently. So they just speak this way because it's their natural tongue, right? So they're going off. All right, we'll scoot over far enough to be away from them. A guy tries to pull into a parking place that's about as far as from me to Kim. And he gets there, and he backs up, and he gets there, and just goes, and drives straight into the car next to him. (laughs) Bam! And then stays there. I don't know if he was in shock because he, it was the third. He's like, er, 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 you're like, cussing, ranting and raving is still going on. Person runs into it. I, I wish I was making this up because it, I would save these and use them at different times. And yet they all happen at the same time. So again, I'm talking to my friend. Somehow I'm in the right position to see all these things. I look back and at a bus stop that's right there on the street, probably from me to Sebastian, okay, is the bus stop. <laughs> I'm not going to do it. Guy takes his guitar. I don't know why he's got a guitar, but I stop, but he does. And he goes, <laughs> throwing wood everywhere. Strings are like, This guy starts yelling obscenities at him. Hey, you moron! That's not how you tune a guitar! (laughs) I just want to study the Bible. I just want to drink my coffee in peace. Kid you not. Then, somebody tries to break in a car behind us and the alarm starts going off. We're like... All right, so here's what I did. I leaned over at my friend, and I said, hey, so do you get it? <laughs> kind of like you're, he's like, get what? Do you understand that we're about to go into some deep waters here spiritually, and literally hell is throwing everything it can at us to distract us? Oh, do you get that? Wow. I, I w- like I said, I wish I was kidding with you, and I wish all those things did not happen in the same, like, seven-minute span. Sometimes when the devil's trying to dissuade you or distract you, 
I think he does me a service by making it so stinking obvious. Because what you and I are doing right now, there's nothing in this world that's more important than study the Scripture. Let's see what God is going to do in your life as a result of this. I encourage you today. The reason I started off with that was one, it's just a fun story. And two, no matter what the enemy tries to do to distract us today, for my prison friends, if you decide that the spirit of slumber will come upon your eyes, just stand up and go to the back of the room. Let's not let a physical or spiritual slumber come over us today. If there's a distraction that goes off on your phone, can you not play with the app right now? Please play with the app a lot after service. Don't do it right now. The things that you might feel like it's okay on a normal day, can I encourage you on today? Let's not allow the enemy to distract us because what it felt like in that moment was a yapping dog. My choice to deal with that was just to speak with authority get the yapping dog to shut up, and we're going to go back on with what we're doing. Amen. How that plays out today is we have a guitar that keeps going out that never goes out. We have problems that we have that we don't ever have. You know what? I go, all right. All right, Lord, what you, what you got for us today? We're going to dig in. We're not going to allow the enemy to distract us. We're actually going to let that cause us to press into him more. This must be, this must be a good day because the enemy is trying to fight us. Today is uh, September 27th, 2015. The title of today's service is Well Watered. Well Watered. <clears throat> We've been studying, and you guys know that this church, we love, we love the Scripture and everything that's about. Because the entirety of the Old Testament was written in Hebrew, we like to study the traditions of our Hebrew kinfolk. We've been talking about different things. When you go through, there are seven feasts that the Jews were given to perform each year as a reminder. Very quickly, you guys know this, but in case you're taking notes, in case you haven't heard these things, I share them with you. Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, then Pentecost. After Pentecost, we get to the Feast of Trumpets, simultaneous with Rosh Hashanah, which was on September 13th, I think, something like that, 12th, 13th since it starts off in the evening. Then Yom Kippur. We talked about Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, their Day of At-One-Ment on Wednesday night. You know what today starts? This evening at dusk? Sukkot, which is the Feast of Tabernacles. There were three of these feasts each year that people had to make a pilgrimage to go to Jerusalem. Passover, Pentecost, and Tabernacles the feast that we're just about to start. Let's take a look at what the Bible has to say. We're going to start off understanding what the Bible has to say about the feast, and then we're going to make a very, very easy transition into what we're supposed to do in response to the Word. It's one thing if we just made this a history class. Right? Well, that would be encouraging. If you're a nerd like me, you'd like, yay, good day. Yeah. Yay for nerds, right? But perhaps God has something very, very significant for us today here. And that you are here not by an accident, but by the design of a great and mighty God who has something to say to you today. Are you preaching to me? Yes. If God will give me grace, yes. I'm talking to each and every one of you. Like it or not, we're trying to go at everyone because I know that when the Word speaks, when I hear the Word, it pierces my heart even though it's coming out of my own mouth. What a powerful God we serve. I am not exempt from this and neither are you. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 29. Please say there when you are there. Genesis chapter 29, and we're going to start in verse 1. This church, we're in the habit of saying there when we arrive at a scripture in our own personal Bible, because we not only want to be there physically, wherever that passage may be, but we're saying, Lord, we're here, and we want to hear what your words have to say to us. We're there. We're engaged in what God is trying to say. So in Genesis chapter 29, verse 1, it says this, Then Jacob continued on his journey and came to the land of the eastern peoples. There he saw a well in the field. Everybody say a well. With three flocks of sheep lying near it because the flocks were watered from that well. In the Jewish culture, they actually look at these three and are reminded of Passover, Pentecost, and tabernacles, the three main feasts that they're supposed to travel to Jerusalem, they see in this a reminder. 
the stories that they have, we kind of pass over some of these things, but the truth is, is when they're seeing it, there he saw a well in the field because three flocks of sheep lying near it, uh, with three flocks of sheep lying near it because the flocks were watered from that well. The stone over the mouth of the well was large. When all the flocks were gathered there, the shepherds would roll the stone away from the well's mouth and water the sheep. They then would return the stone to its place over the mouth of the well. <laughs> it's almost, and uh, if you've been around us long enough, you know that the stone can represent a lot of things, but oftentimes it represents the Word of God. We have to learn how to navigate the Word of God. We have to learn how to embrace it so that it moves us and it provides, <laughs> provides all the water that we need. Let's turn to Leviticus chapter 23. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. We are still in what is known as the law portion of the Old Testament, the Torah. We're in Leviticus chapter 23. <laughs> Almost there. Good. I like it. And we're going to start in verse 33. <clears throat> says this, The Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, On the fifteenth day of the seventh month, the Lord's Feast of Tabernacles begins, and it lasts seven days. So we have something in the seventh month that's going to last seven days. The first day is a sacred assembly. Do no regular work. For seven days, present offerings made to the Lord by fire. Everybody say, by fire. fire. There's some type of offerings that we can bring to the Lord that we can't do it any other way than bringing it by fire. Right? What is the idea of an, a fi, uh, of an offering that's offered by fire? It's completely consumed. You know that there's not going to be anything left when this thing is handled properly. It is completely consumed. Those are the, uh, the offerings and sacrifices that the Lord requires of us. For seven days present offerings made to the Lord by fire, and on the eighth day hold a sacred assembly and present an offering made to the Lord by fire. It is the closing assembly. Do no regular work. Verse 37. These are the Lord's appointed feasts, which you are to proclaim as sacred assemblies for bringing offerings made to the Lord by fire. Um, if you have kids, you know that sometimes repetition is about your best friend that you can have. Uh, I was a teacher for a long time, and repetition became my best friend. Of course they got it. No, they did not get it if I said it once. I can assure you. There was a small percentage of my students that would get it on the first go-around. And some it took many, many repetitions. So that's what the Lord is doing here. These are bringing offerings made to the Lord by fire. The burnt offerings and grain offerings, sacrifices and drink offerings required for each day. The Lord has requirements that we are to fulfill. These offerings are in addition to, the, to those for the Lord's Sabbaths and in addition to your gifts and whatever you have vowed, and all the free will offerings you have given to the Lord. Okay? These don't take the place of it. You don't, well, I kind of went to church there. We had a special thing there. No, these are the things that are done in addition to what your normal requirements are. God didn't suspend the normal to add. He just said, I want you to understand how important this is, so you have to, under, you have to come again unto the Lord. So beginning, the, uh, verse 39, so beginning with the 15th day of the seventh month, that starts this evening. After you have gathered the crops of the land, celebrate the festival to the Lord for seven days. The first day is a day of... Read that word. Okay, we're going to try it again. It's okay. You weren't expecting to talk. The first day is a day of... Hmm. And the eighth day is also a day of... Okay. On the first day, you are to take choice fruit from the trees and palm fronds, leafy branches, and pop poplars and rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days. <laughs> Sounds kind of weird for our culture, right? Okay, so I want you to get a bunch of branches and leaves and go crazy for the Lord. Yay. <laughs> you know. Woo? Woohoo? Right? It should be calling out to you a scene that we're going we're gonna to talk about here in a minute, but maybe on Jesus' triumphal entry when they had palm branches and they were waving it before him. We're going to talk about those things in a minute, but you see it here written. Um, we're going to find out exactly what that looked like for the people of God to celebrate. We talked about Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement on Wednesday. It's a solemn day. You don't wish someone, Happy Yom Kippur! You might wish them something like, 
hope you have an easy fast. May your name be inscribed in the book. You, you can wish them, you can have well wishes, but it's not a happy birthday. It's a solemn day that they're to realize what God has done for them. To, to count their lives and to go, Lord, you're going to now mark where I am spiritually. It's, it's a day of reckoning. And it's a beautiful thing. Here, five days later, is the most joyful thing that you can think about. <laughs> Party! They really get to celebrate the joy of the Lord. Let me encourage you. The scripture that I read um, this morning before we started worship was out of Exodus 15. The Lord is our strength and our song. In the Hebrew culture, there was often multiple things. Let's just say two things for now that were strength and a song. If you are American or influenced by Greek or Roman thinking, sometimes you think it has to be an either or. We've talked about, I talked about this a long time ago. But really the understanding a lot of times in the Bible was what? It was and and both. He's both our strength. Amen. God is our strength. He is our strong tower that we can run to. The Lord is a warrior. Warrior is His name. And He's our song. He is our strength. And the joy of the Lord is our... He's our strength, right? But He gets the strength through the song just as well. He is both our strength and our song. So this is kind of a song. We saw the strength on Yom Kippur. We saw the strength on Yom Kippur. Now we're going to hear the song in the Festival of Tabernacles. Let's turn to Deuteronomy chapter 8. Thank you, Rico. I like that. Beat me there. That's good. Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 1. We're setting background for what this is all about. Deuteronomy Deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 1 says this, Be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today so that you may live and increase. Everybody say live and increase. And And you may enter and possess. Everybody say enter and possess. So I guess it's possible that you can live and not increase. I guess it's possible for you to be able to enter and not possess. So he wants all of that for us. What did he say? If you follow what I have for you, so I will take all the joy out of your life. No. If you do what I tell you to do, it's so that you can live and increase. So that you can enter and fully possess, take hold of. If I have a a car for Cody waiting, I don't, bro. Don't get the expectations too high. I wish I did. If, if I had a car, brand new car waiting for him, if, if he never possessed the car, amen, he's got it. But he never took possession of it. If God has given you gifts and you've never taken possession of them, if you'd entered into this new realm of spiritual things and you never possess what God has for you, then you see what God is trying to do and you miss out on the actual participation with his nature. I want to be a participant. I'm not much of being a spectator. I get bored really, really quickly. I'd rather be participating in something that God has for me. Be careful to follow every command I'm giving you today so that you may live and increase, so that you may enter and possess the land that the Lord promised on oath to your forefathers. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years. Sukkot, or tabernacles, is to remind them of when they were in the desert and what did they do? They had to live in tabernacles. They had to live in booths. They had to live in tents. Right? They were out there in mobile dwellings because of what the Lord was doing with them and in them and through them and in spite of them. Typically what people do nowadays is they're supposed to celebrate the Temple of Tabernacles by living in a tabernacle. By participating in events that are in tabernacles so that they're remembered this. Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the desert these 40 years to humble you and to test you in order to know what was in your heart. The Lord knows my heart. Yep, but that's not a passive thing. He knows your heart because He watches what you do. Yes, philosophically, He knows your heart. It's because nothing is hidden from Him. Because we can talk a pretty game, we can talk a good game to someone else, but God sees our heart. He did this to humble them and to test them in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep His commands. Do you keep God's commands only when it's easy? And God sees that and He knows your heart. He knows that it's not fully devoted to Him. We talk in marriage counseling a lot about the roles of husbands and wives. 
And you read the list that men have, it's a very long list out of Ephesians 5. The list for women includes submission, and that's pretty much the list. Right? But we have, it's easy, it's easy to submit when you agree. It's easy for me to submit to the Lord when I agree. The true test of submission comes when I don't agree. The true test of submission when the Lord asking me to do something that I don't understand. Well, it's not that I don't agree. I just, I just don't understand. Amen. If, if my children only wait until they completely understand my instructions, they can sometimes get hurt because I'm giving them instruction that I need, to follow, I need them to follow now. Do this. Well, Father, may we sit down and discuss this over a nice latte? No. But I don't understand. In this moment, I don't care. Amen. Just do what I told you to do. The, the understanding can even come later, but right now, you just do what I say. Oh, that's so harsh. Well, amen. It is what it is, right? If you're <laughs> Verse 3, He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your fathers had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothes did not wear out, and your feet did not swell during these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, huh, just talked about that, so the Lord your God disciplines you. Why? Because he loves us and he wants to see us mature so that we can be full in him. Let's turn to John chapter 7. John chapter 7. And we're going to camp out here for a while. Amen. John chapter 7, verse 1 says this. After this, Jesus went around in Galilee, purposely staying away from Judea because the Jews there were waiting to take his life. That's a pretty good reason not to go hang out somewhere, right? They want to kill him. But when the Jewish Feast of Tabernacles was near, Jesus' brother, uh, Jesus' brothers, sorry, I'm going to say it again because I keep messing it up. Jesus' brothers said to him, you ought to leave here and go to Judea so that your disciples may see the miracles you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. <laughs> well, that's not really what Jesus was trying to get at. Let me encourage you folks, just as a, as a small caveat here. If in your heart there are things that you are doing to try to be seen, let me encourage you that that may not be God's best for you. If you are trying to... I remember being young and immature and wanting people to know that I knew something. So I had learned something and I wanted to tell everybody about it. Why? Because if I tell you what I know, because I know it, I'm trying to get glory for what is known, right? It's amazing that sometimes as adults we never really grow out of that. We never really get to the point where we're like, hey, if... We're all about sharing with each other, right? But if you're, doing, if you're doing the sharing so that someone knows how much you know, then you have poor motives and God can't bless that. God will not bless in His spiritual realm something that you're doing through very fleshly and natural desires. The ends do not justify the means in the kingdom. You can have the right actions and the wrong heart. You know what God counts that as? The wrong action. But I'm doing this. God, God is always after our hearts being pure before Him. If, if I'm only helping somebody because I'm trying to ingratiate them to my kindness, it's an impure motive and God is not happy with it. It's not a sacrifice that He'll accept because it's blemished. Does that make sense? This is what we're talking about here. Hey, Jesus, no one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. Brother, you've got talents. You should go and do something with that. How about we just follow what God's plan for our life is and be satisfied with that and trust in Him? For even His own brothers did not believe in Him. Huh. Let's skip down to verse 14. Not until halfway through the feast did Jesus go up to the temple courts and begin to teach. Halfway through. A couple of days into it. Three or four days into it. 
he goes up into the temple courts and begins to teach. The Jews were amazed and asked, how did this man get such learning without having studied? Jesus answered, my teaching is not my own. It comes from him who sent me. If anyone chooses to do God's will, he will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. He who speaks on his own does so to gain honor for himself. But he who works for the honor of the one who sent him is a man of truth. There is nothing false about him. Has not Moses given you the law? Yet not one of you keeps the law. Why are you trying to kill me? (laughs) You are demon-possessed, the crowd answered. Who is trying to kill you? Uh, There's a saying from an old Shakespeare, Methinks the lady doth protest too much. When people often spend, they, they spend a lot of their time, that's not me. How could you ask? How could you think that I would do that? You're, you're crazy. You're demon possessed. Who's trying to kill you? Well, a, a lot of people in that circle were. This is the same group that in a very short time was going to be yelling, crucify him, crucify him. Right? These are the same, the same groups of people. Jesus said to them, I did one miracle and you are all astonished. Yet because Moses gave you circumcision, though actually it did not come through Moses, but from the patriarchs, you circumcised a child on the Sabbath. You weren't supposed to do any work on the Sabbath, but they were allowed to circumcise a child because they realized that this was something that God was pleased with, and it didn't even even though it didn't match the rule and the law that they were supposed to be following. Jesus is referring to that. Now, if a child can be circumcised on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses may not be broken... Why are you angry with me for healing the whole man on the Sabbath? The principle was there that you were sealed, that you were healed from a sinful nature because through this rite of circumcision. It was a covenant. You were making a covenant between this person and God. And it's saying, hey, this is for the soul. This is for the salvation. This is for the healing of this person. Jesus said, if you'll allow that, you're getting mad at me for healing someone's whole body? What is the next thing that he says here? Uh, Verse 24. Stop judging by mere appearances and make a right judgment. Stop judging everything by the outside of what's going on and actually get to the heart of something. Do you not understand what's going on is basically what he's saying. Don't you understand? (laughs) You're swallowing a camel and you're straining on a gnat. These principles that go throughout the Word and you hear these things, what does that mean? These people were allowing huge, egregious sins and they were getting all tied up on small things. Jesus is saying, why don't you just make right, appearance, uh, right judgments here? Verse 25 says this, At that point, some of the people of Jerusalem began to ask, Hey, you know what? We didn't think about this. Isn't this the man that they are trying to kill? By the way, a few verses earlier, what were they saying? Huh, who's trying to kill you? Well, again, he's vindicated and proven correct. Isn't this the man that they are trying to kill? Here he is speaking publicly and they are not saying a word to him. Have the authorities really concluded that he is the Christ? But we know where this man is from. When the Christ comes, no one will know where he is from. It's referencing things in the Hebrew culture. You're not going to be able to know where he comes from. They're, They're trying to reason it out and figure out if this is the Christ or not. Verse 28, Then Jesus, still teaching in the temple courts, cried out. So they're talking amongst themselves. And he is standing somewhere teaching. And as they are talking amongst themselves, like back where Eric is, say. So he and his wife are talking. And then from the pulpit, the answer to his question comes. Our response to his question comes. Then Jesus, still teaching in the temple courts, cried out, Yes, you know me. And you know where I am from. I am not here on my own, but he who sent me is true. You do not know him, but I know him because I am from him and he sent me. Listen to this next verse. It's an interesting verse. At this, they tried to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him. (laughs) They tried to seize him and didn't touch him. They're starting to make plans for this. The word there for seize him is some of the other words that you can um, translate it as is they were trying to press him pressure him, squeeze him, compress him. Isn't that not what the world does to us when we start trying to live fully for God? Don't they want to compress you? No, 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 come on now. Don't be too radical. Don't be too out there. I don't speak in tongues in front of anybody because it might offend them. 
Why are you trying to compress the things of the Lord? What about the Lord is offending you? What about the Lord... Are, why do you hate His Word? Oh, I don't hate this Word. If you're offended by the things of God, it's probably because you don't know that they're from God. So let's have that talk. Let's see what God will do in that capacity. Don't let the world compress you. At, that, at this they tried to seize Him, but no one laid a hand on Him because His time had not yet come. Still many in the crowd put their faith in Him. All this people confusing and balancing and trying to wrestle with things, but then people are still putting their faith in Christ. They said, when the Christ comes, will He do more miraculous signs than this guy? They were seeing it going, wow, it's pretty obvious to me. The Pharisees heard the crowd whispering such things about Jesus. Then the chief priests and the Pharisees sent temple guards to arrest Him. Jesus said, I am with you only for a short time, and then I go to the one who sent me. You will look for me, but you will not find me, and where I am, you cannot come. Surprisingly enough, Jesus starts to talk about spiritual things, and the people react in a very non-spiritual way. Here's what they say in verse 35. The Jews said to one another, where does this man intend to go that we can't find him? Is he going to run away? What's he going to do? Will he go where our people live, scattered among the Greeks, and teach the Greeks? What did he mean when, when he said, you will look for me, but you will not find me, and where I am, you cannot come? In our modern day, this would be the Twitter feed of what's going on. Jesus says, you cannot, we cannot come. Where is he going now? Right, it's the Facebook feed, it's the news ticker tape that's running across. This is what's going on because somewhere in halfway through the feast, he starts talking and engaging and there's a buzz in Jerusalem where all these people have made pilgrimage. They're all there and it's, hey, did you hear? I heard he said this. Well, I don't know. What does he mean by that? Where is he going? Is he going to go to the Greek? So all of this is going on. So somewhere, let's just say it happens on a Wednesday or a Thursday, right? Third, fourth, fifth day and everybody's talking about it. Enough or those questions. This is the last lingering question before we get to verse 37. All these things are going on. All the commentators would be on the news going, well, I think he's clearly going to go speak to the Greeks. Oh, really, Professor Know-it-all? That's fantastic. Well, Jesus and I were speaking. Okay, we weren't really speaking, but I'm going to talk about him like I really know him, right? This is, this is the same type of thing, obviously. We've modernized it a little bit just for our understanding here, but this is the same type of thing that was going on there. Verse 37, here it is. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not yet been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified on the last and greatest day of the feast. Can I tell you a little bit more about the feast real quick? They would take these palm branches and this fruit and they would wave it before the Lord. You know what they would also do? They would uh, go to the altar and they would make a circle, a circuit around the altar on the day, on day one. You know what they would do? They did it one time. Wow. And then they went on their way. You know what they did on day two? Same thing. Day three, day four, day five, day six, day seven. They're circling one time a day. You know what they also did? They would take a golden vessel and they would go to the pool of Shalom and they would get water from the pool of Shalom in a golden vessel. And they would come and they would often pour out the water on the altar. They would also take that golden vessel and pour it into other clay pots. Um, it's my understanding that the Moroccan Jews who do this, who still celebrate some of these, actually pour water on each other. Celebrating this idea, these well-watered people, they're going to go, wait, so in the Bible we often see that gold represents divinity. So this divine vessel is filled with water from the pool of peace from the pool of Shalom, and is then brought before the Lord and poured out. Come on, that's good. 
Is that not a picture of exactly? So, can you imagine this? Someone is walking into the temple with a golden vessel full of water. Jesus stands and says in a loud voice, Come to me! If anyone is thirsty, come to me and drink. I, I, I don't know that I can paint a comparison that's close in our culture. You're standing at the Liberty Bell wearing your best patriotic duds on the 4th of July while someone's singing the national anthem and you talk about freedom. That's still not enough (laughs) because this would have been going on for 1,600 years. For so long, I, I cannot fathom a comparison that's actually exactly comparable. But you get the idea. He's taking things that have gone on. Let me read to you just a little bit of, uh, that I found. And it says this. A connection between the possession of the Ruach HaKodesh, the Spirit of God, and ecstasy or religious joys found in the ceremony of water drawing. What I just explained to you. I can't say those words, so I will, I'm sure I will abuse them too much. So I'm just going to move on. On the festival of Sukkot, the Mishnah said that he who had never seen this ceremony, which was accompanied by dancing singing, and music had never seen true joy. I'm creating it as this solemn, here comes the pitcher full of water, we pour it out. And there is singing and dancing and revelry going, this is life! This is what it's all about! This is what we need! This is it! This is it! And Jesus stands up in the midst of festivities and revelry and joy and excitement. And he says, anyone who is thirsty, come to me and drink. Not only will I satisfy you in that you will drink and be satisfied yourself, but I'll actually cause rivers of living water to flow through you, from within you, out to other people. I have so much for you, but I will fill you to overflowing that you can then go and help other people get filled. And by this, he meant the Spirit. I could take this exact message and you can go preach it in almost any denomination. You know why? Because they would talk about the Spirit and then they would take that point and go, see, we're supposed to do unto others. Yes, this is talking about the Holy Spirit though. The context of this is Jesus connects dots here and says, this is about God's very Spirit that I will pour out to you. If you come to me and drink, and really, really drink. It's almost like, uh, turn to, just hold your place here, turn to Revelation 22 really quickly. I believe it's Revelation twenty-two seventeen. What does it say there? Revelation twenty-two seventeen says this: "The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. We do not serve a God that says, Go away. We serve a God that says, Come. You cannot come of your own accord. You cannot come any way you like. But His heart is for you to come, come, and let him who hears say, Come. What does that mean?" Come. Come? Come. Oh, come. Yes. Let the Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let him who hears say, Come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come, man. And whoever wishes, let him take the free gift of what? The water of life. Come and take this free gift of the water of life. Come if you are thirsty. Come and get filled so much that you are not only satisfied. Yes, you are satisfied. No longer are you worried about being satisfied. Um, We have so many devices nowadays. You have your phones. And what happens? Your phone is only as good as what? The battery. (laughs) Right? Maybe your cell coverage. But the phone is really only as good as your battery. Because once it dies, if you're like me, you have an extra plug in your The bag that you carry with you, there's one in your car in case it's dying, there's one in your house. You've got to have them everywhere. Why? Because you can't keep going. It's different than if you have a device and you plug it in. My home computer, you know what? I never really worry about it. Because it's just always, I expect it always to be on. How about we quit living on battery life here? And the further we get away from God is like the further we stay unplugged from Him. How about we just undo that and just get connected right to the source? 
<laughs> with our guitar example today, how about we go beyond just getting plugged in and how about we get literally infused and connected? Amen. Pastor Matt is a former electrician, still obviously knows all that kind of stuff. If I could get him to hardwire everything in my house, just, look, I don't even want to have to worry about plugs. I just want the direct source, man. <laughs> like, I don't even have to want to worry about it getting unplugged and coming loose. Just sort it, just, duh! That's what I want to do with my life is get so connected to him. I'm not worried about losing that connection and it's something short now. And me running out of power and I thought it was plugged in. No, man, we're something different. Go back to John. Is this making sense to you? I hope that it is. The last and greatest day of the feast. You know, on that seventh day, though, they would go around seven times. They would circle the altar seven times, just like maybe when Joshua defeated Jericho. We, we lose so many things because we don't understand the culture. This idea of increasing holiness. There was a discussion <laughs> thousands of years ago between Hillel and Shema. And they were trying to figure out how to light the candles of a menorah for Hanukkah. It's a lot of non-American words in there, right? It's okay. Right? Shemaiah said, let's light them all and we put one out each day as it gets closer. Hillel said, let's light one each day and add to it because nowhere in the scripture does it say we should have decreasing holiness but only increasing. Well, they went that version. <laughs> That's the still common. It's just a common practice. But we see here that this is what the scripture says. From faith to faith, from glory to glory, we should be ever increasing in our walk with the Lord. Because why? Because he has a source that never runs dry. He never runs out. You're tapped into the spirit that has no limit. It should be ever-increasing. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, streams of living water from, will flow from within him. I'm, just hold your place there. You don't have to turn here. I'm going to turn here and read this. It's out of Isaiah chapter 12. And while they were doing this, this is what they would sing. This is what they would say. In Isaiah 12, 3, it says, we'll start in verse 1, In that day you will say, I will praise you, O Lord, although you were angry with me, your anger has turned away, and you have comforted me. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord is my strength and my song. Oh, there it is again. With you, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. As they are taking the golden pitcher and put it in the pool of Siloam, this is what they are saying. You with joy, with anger and harshness. No, with joy, you draw water from the wells of salvation, ready to pour it out, ready to invite people to come unto it. When I think of the water being poured out, I'm also reminded of Elijah in 1 Kings 18. You remember that? He's battling the, the many prophets of Baal. Whoever God, whoever's God answered by fire, let him be the real God. Won't you guys go ahead and go at it? Maybe your God's asleep. Maybe your God's indisposed at the moment. Perhaps you should shout louder. And then what happens? He says, "Why don't you guys pour water on my altar?" Nope. Put some more water. Nope. Put some more water. Dig a trench. Fill up the trench. So much water's there. What happens? God answers by fire, and it consumes both the water, and the altar, and the sacrifice. We see that God answers by fire. Whatever your situation is today, the impossibility of your situation is nothing for this kind of God. Impossibility is our perspective, not His. He's not discouraged. He's not limited. He's not fretful over your life. He's saying, believe me, i got enough. You go ahead and put as much water on that as you want. When the fire needs to come, I can handle you, I promise. Let's, uh, again, keep your places in John. I'm going to turn to Zechariah chapter 14, and it says this. It says this. Zechariah 14, verse 16. Then the survivors from all the nations that have attacked Jerusalem will go up year after year to worship. This festival is going to continue on for a long time. After they have attacked Jerusalem, they will go up year after year to worship the King, the Lord Almighty, and to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. 
If any of the peoples of the earth do not go up to Jerusalem to worship the King, the Lord Almighty, they will have no rain. Part of the Feast of Tabernacles was to do this. It was not only to celebrate what God has done, it was actually part of their agricultural season. It was celebrating what God had brought in in preparation before the winter season. And they would pray for rain. If the Egyptian people did not go up and take part, they will have no rain. The Lord will bring on them the plague He inflicts on the nations and did not go up to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. <laughs> on that day, holy to the Lord will be inscribed. And it keeps going from there. Back to John chapter 7. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to Me and drink. Whoever believes in Me, as the Scriptures have said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this, he meant the Spirit. With those who believed in him, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not yet been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. On hearing these words, some of the people said, surely this man is a prophet. I'm sorry. Surely this man is the prophet. It's a bit different, right? He's the prophet. Now they realize, boy, this guy is something special. Others said, he's not just something special. He is the Messiah that we've been looking for, that we've been longing for. Still others asked, how can this Christ come from Galilee? Does not the Scripture say that Christ will come from David's family? Which he did. And from Bethlehem? Which he did. The town where David lived? Thus the people were divided because of Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus always divide people. I was thinking about this silly example, and pardon me for using it. I've been thinking about it for a couple of days. There's a particular movie that I enjoyed from back in the day called The Matrix. I know I'm ungodly. I know I'm weak. Y'all are all more spiritual. I get it. I really like the movie, okay? I'm just saying. Curtis would be good Morpheus just dressed up. Okay, all right. I'm just saying. <laughs> okay. There's a particular scene in this that's a pretty pivotal scene where the lead character gets offered a choice between two pills. You want the red one or the blue one? One sets you free so that you understand and can see the world as it actually is. And the other one puts you back to sleep and you can just decide whatever you want to decide about it. I think Jesus often does that. Do you really want to know who I am or do you want to close your eyes and be asleep spiritually and go back into something that is not actual reality? Do you want to actually engage with a living God, or do you want to just be religious? Do you actually want to put yourself where there is a God who knows what you do, but He cares about you? Who demands holiness, but empowers you to be holy? Who can conquer anything in your life, but requires our all? Do you actually want this, or do you want to just go back to sleep? Jesus divided these people. They're like, no, give me the red pill. Let me, let, me, let me find out what truth is all about even if everything that I've known is now shattered. It's worth it. It's worth the pursuit. It's worth for us to get so close to God that it changes who we are, that we are no longer, what's going on? Well, I'm just trying to make it. I'm not just trying to make it. That's, that's not my position in life. I'm not just trying to get... just. Another day, another dollar. No, I have living waters that flow from within me. All I want to do is make sure that the well is unstopped and it will keep flowing. Back in Genesis 29, when we were talking about Jacob, isn't that what Jacob did? Not only did Jacob have this well, but he unstopped some of the wells of his father and he dug new wells. What is it that you need today? Do you need to unstop a well? Is the Holy Spirit been dammed up in you? Has it been covered over in you where it's not flowing anymore? Is there a difference between us when we go someplace? Are you having demonic attacks in your daily life? Hopefully it doesn't look like my Starbucks experience. I get excited about days like that. Cool. At least I'm not causing no ripples in the spiritual realm. Cool, get mad at me. Let's do this. I'm not going to battle it in the flesh. I'm going... Lord, would you cause your rivers to flow from within me? Lord, I'm thirsty. I want to drink. I want to drink of you. I want to make sure that it's pure so that it gushes out onto other people. When we're praying for our Suriname team, 
Can we pray that right there, that God will just cause rivers of living water? I believe that's a word that's already gone forth for them. We're going to agree with what God is already saying of God. Would you cause fruit to come? Would you cause lives to be raised from the dead? Would you do anything that needs to be done because of who you are? Do you need to unstop a well today or do you need to dig a new well? Do you need to understand that you can come to Him and drink? What are you going to choose? Are you going to come to Him and be... What I want to do today as we end is this. (laughs) Maybe you're here today and you've never actually truthfully counted the cost and put Christ as Lord of your life. In just a minute, we're going we're gonna to worship again. I'm setting this up, and then I expect you to respond as God encourages you to respond. If you ignore the leading and the, that stir of the Lord in your heart, He is a big God who sees all. He understands these things and understands where you are. You are making a choice today whether you accept to do what He says or to reject what He's doing. It will divide you. It will divide everyone in this room to say we either follow Him at all costs or there's some things that we're not willing to follow Him for. Perhaps you've never acknowledged Jesus Christ. You've never actually made Him Lord. I'm not just saying you only said a prayer when you were six years old. I'm saying you actually make Him the boss of your life, the Lord of your life. You're willing to realize the sacrifice that He did. You understand that He's the golden vessel that has the life and you've never really come and partaken of Him. Maybe you're here today and you need to either unstop a well of the Spirit in your life or you need to be filled with the Spirit. You need to actually come to the front, have people lay their hands on you, and you speak in other tongues, and you get filled with Him so that you're not just dry anymore, but you are full of His Spirit so that you can be and turn a river. And maybe there are some of us here who just need comfort and encouragement. We're going to have people here, I'm going to ask the elders in just a minute when we start worshiping, they're going to come forward. These are mighty men and women of God. If you just want to come and get time on your own, then come on up here. If you need healing in your body, I believe that God is just going to move today. There's been too much demonic and spiritual attack for it not to be. I have no confidence in myself, but I have complete confidence in Him. Complete. What is it that you need today? Come on up, Pastor Matt. Would you guys stand with me, please?